Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. It's time to get inside the Giants home. Let's go, let's go, let's go. On Giants.com. I like it, I like it, I like it. And the Giants mobile app. Give me some juice. Part of the Giants podcast network. Let's roll. Welcome to another edition of the Giants Huddle podcast brought to you by Citizens, the official bank of the New York football Giants. I'm John Schmelk. Our guest, friend of the program, covers the NFL draft for the messenger. He is the one and only Mike Renner. Mike, what's going on, man? Hey, John. Thanks for having me on, buddy. Excited for this draft season to kick off, man. Yeah, and look, this is basically the kickoff, right? We have we have the Shrine Bowl and the Senior Bowl coming up over the next week and a half or so, which is always fun. You kind of, for us who don't necessarily get to go scout at college games, it's the only chance we have to really get our eyes on these guys up close playing football. What difference does that make for you, getting to see these guys in person after all the work we've done on them watching the tape? I still think a lot of that's overrated, like going in person and seeing them. I think the biggest thing that I can glean or that I do get to glean by the practices is kind of their energy, you know, who they are as players. Are they kind of understated? Are they, you know, are they leaders in a group of guys that they just met? Is I think like the biggest things you can glean there is just what kind of, you know, their personality and who they are in that regard. But in terms of on-field performance, like I've watched, you know, I've watched all my basically football life via tape. And so it's, it's, it's not say it's like, it's not helpful, but it's just something that the comparison that you have is tape. And that I think that still is the best way to evaluate. Cause that's kind of the bar that you have for everyone, but uh, it definitely does help to be down there and see those guys. Yeah. What I like to get a feel for is body types, right? You know, Mm -hmm. as as someone that's been in NFL practices now for going on 15, 16 years, I know what guys at certain positions are supposed to just look like, just look at frame and stuff like that. So I get something out of that, at least seeing what they look like next to other guys and whether or not they match what that NFL prototype is supposed to be. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So that's a hundred percent. And there's guys that I'll go back to last year's class. You go to the defensive ends. You had Derek Hall down there, the Auburn defensive end, who was just like, built how you'd want long arms guy was jacked to the gills. He obviously ends up being like a top 50 pick. And then you had Andre Carter down there from army who, you know, is spending his off season training for the army and as skinny as can be, doesn't have body mass. And you're just like, that guy's not going to be, and he obviously ends up going undrafted. It's just like, that guy's not going to be and make an impact on the NFL roster next year. So it's just, you could definitely glean a lot of information from that. All right. I know everyone likes to start the quarterbacks. That's not what we're starting here. I think the best, position group at the senior bowl this year, Mike, is the offensive line. You could have three or four offensive linemen from this group go in the first round. I don't know about you. I still have Joe Alt and Fashinu kind of as my top two, and then there's a little bit of a gap. But you have pretty much, except for Latham out of Alabama, all the other guys in the mix for that number three offensive lineman taken 
is going to be at the Senior Bowl. Yes. Well, Amiris Mims, I think, could be the number three offensive That's a good one, well. too. So th- those two, good those point. two are juniors. It's a great tackle class, but you said I could see. So Taliesa Fuaga could be the third offensive tackle taken out, right tackle out of Oregon State. He'll be down there. Uh, I think Patrick Paul from Houston, Jordan Morgan from Arizona, Kingsley Suamadaia, and Tyler Guyton also yeah. could all be first rounders. So you could have potentially five first rounders from this tackle class. Uh, and that's not even to mention the guys like Troy Fautanu from Washington and Graham Barton from Duke, who could be first rounders themselves, but are tackles who probably project more on the interior at the next level. So this is the most talent I've seen in a position group at the Senior Bowl since I started going in 2016. It truly is uh, a different type of group than you're used to. And that's, you know, that's good for us. We'll be having a ball watching them down there. Yeah, absolutely. So how do you separate these guys, right? Like what makes Fuaga different than Guyton, different than Morgan, different than, you know, um, the Washington kids? So it's one is I think it's hard on the outside because we're not projected to a scheme, right? If you're doing gap scheme stuff, running a lot of duo well, there you got to trend towards the bigger offensive tackles in this class. The guys like Fuaga, who's 335 pounds and just an easy people mover. Guys like uh, you know Tyler Guyton, who's one of the most explosive, the off- Oklahoma right tackle, who's one of the most explosive tackles uh, at his size, 327 pounds that I've seen uh, since I started covering the draft. So like that's where you'll trend more towards. But if you want, you know, you run an outside zone, you want more athletes, you'll go, you know, you're pulling your tackles out in space. You'll go someone like Kingsley Suamadia, the BYU guy, who's kind of a project, but he's going to test off the charts athletically. Like out in space, he looks like a tackle. So I think that's one is that, you know, if you're an NFL team, that's kind of the decision you're making is those are breaking those ties. But that's also, I do think just NFL readiness, offense tackle, offense lines, a skill position at the end of the day, you don't have to be, you know, there's a there's a requisite level of traits that you need to play tackle in the NFL. You, you know, length helps, movement skills help, play strength helps. But there's not a formula that if you have all of those to a certain degree that you'll be good because it's still skill. Like it's how you use your hands, how you play with leverage, how you have, you know, can control your body. And so that's more what I'm looking for on tape for these guys is those things. Because the physical ability you can tell within 10 snaps, right? How good a guy is in those regards more often than not. But it's still a skill position. And that's why a lot of the busts that you see along the offensive line uh, have to do with that aspect of the game. No, absolutely. It's all about getting your hands inside, technique, all that sort of stuff. That That's just key. And it's not just the tacklers, right? This is a pretty good guard class we have here, too. And throw in Jackson Powers Johnson. If you look at him as a center, he's played both. Cooper Beebe, who's really your, you know, bruising guard. Then you mentioned Fatnu, who a lot of people project inside. I know a lot of people like Dominic Puny, the kid out of Kansas. So you got a pretty good inside group here that could make up, you know, the top of the guard center class as well. Yeah, I think there could be as many as you know nine interior offensive linemen down the senior bowl taking the top hundred. Yeah. Uh, it's it's awesome class. I, it really is for an offensive line needy teams anywhere around the NFL. There will be guys for you, uh, but I really like the guy that I keep going back to in this class, kind of as a whole, uh, is Christian Haynes out of Connecticut, who's not getting a lot of love. I have not uh, watched him he, yet. I think he could be the top guard in this class. He's super athletic. He has like the perfect build for a guard in that he's shorter, he's 6'2", but I think he's going to have like 34-inch arms. He has really long arms um, for his frame, and he can get out and move. Obviously, at Connecticut, not facing a ton of good competition, so we'll get to see that at the Senior Bowl, but uh, he's one of my favorites in this class. So it, it's it's kind of got 
you know, everything you want. It has some power guard, power in Cooper Beebe, a power center, and Jackson Powers Johnson, athletic guard, and Christian Haynes. Uh, it's really got a lot for uh, you know, just offensive line needed teams out there. Yeah, it should be fun. And then you take a look at some of the defensive linemen they're going to be going up against. Not quite as, as a star-studded group, which is not surprising. Usually you don't get a lot of the top pass rushers at these type of events. But you do have Leatu Latu is going to be there. Chris Braswell is going to be there. So who are some of the defensive linemen that you want to really looking forward to seeing going one-on-one against this elite group of offensive linemen? I think the interior, so the defensive tackles, is a much deeper class than the edge group down there. Um at the senior bowl, but Latu, I'd be surprised if he even plays, man. I mean, he, he may go there and practice, but like, he doesn't need to, he's got two years of tape at UCLA, especially he's with his medical s- history. I mean, and yeah, you know. and he had, he had to medically retire from football early on his career at Washington with a neck injury, comes back to UCLA. And he's just like, he's the most skilled pass rusher in this class. He's a super high floor guy. Uh, I think he's gonna be a top 15 pick regardless of what he does down there at mobile. But I mean, if he does play and does you know, do the one-on-ones, it's only going to help him. He's going to stand out like a sore thumb there with that edge group because he's so much better than the rest of these guys. So uh, he'd probably, he's probably going to win every time down there. So very excited to watch him play. But I also, I'll highlight Darius Robinson on the edge, the Missouri guy who's one of the more intriguing body types in the class and that he's 6'5", 290 plus pounds, playing off the edge, which is a versatile body type that I think a lot of, like every defense wants a guy who's that size, who can do, either line up on the edge, play on the interior. Everyone's looking for that guy. So I think he'll be coveted a lot higher than maybe people think just because it's a projectable NFL body type. But this interior defensive tackle class, the Texas duo is who I keep going back to. They might be the first and second defense tackles off the board in this class. I love Byron Murphy. Murphy. Murphy's great, man. Oh, he's Unbelievable. So I think he's going to be a top 15 pick, top 20 at worst. Um, he's, he's like a Grady Jarrett, undersized sort of, from a height perspective, but it only serves to help them in that you just can't out leverage them. So you can't move that guy off the line of scrimmage. He's six foot tall, but uh, gets off about 308 pounds. That's a, that's a tough guy to block. Um, and then Tavondre sweats the best nose tackle in this draft class, the defense tackle from Texas, 360 pounds, long arms, uh, very excited to watch him play because he has some just utterly dominant reps on tape. So uh, see how that translates against this really good interior off the line group. You mentioned depth, then uh, you love the depth of the defensive tackle class. Who are maybe some of the guys that I haven't watched yet, fans aren't that aware yet, that you really like from that class that'll be in Mobile? I really like uh, Dwayne Carter from Duke. I-, I think he's a guy who doesn't hasn't gotten a ton of hype, but he's he's got versatility in his skill set and that he's lined up on the edge. He's lined up uh, on three technique uh, at nose tackle. And he's like, you know, six, a little over 6'3". 305 pounds, a, a guy that like from a body type perspective can line up everywhere. He, he's not, not kind of limited in what he can do. So he's a guy who's a penetrator, can get upfield, can use his hands well. I'm excited to see what he does uh, at the senior bowl because I think he could be, you know, a top 75 sort of player if he really puts on a show. But uh, it's just a guy who's just a solid all around defensive tackle. Yeah, and look, everyone watches the one-on-ones at the Senior Bowl. That's why you go to these practices, right? We talked about the O-line, D-line. The other set of one-on-ones you're going to watch are the defensive back and wide receiver one-on-ones. And usually, Mike, the defensive back position, it's usually guys coming out after their, you know, true, you know, redshirt sophomore year, true junior year. So a lot of times in the past, we didn't get a lot of the top corners at the Senior Bowl. 
But I think we've gotten some pretty good guys coming out this year. You've got Ennis Rackestraw, who's going to be there. He's a really good player. Um, Mike Sanser still, who I know athletically we'll see how he tests, but he's going to be there. Kunia Mitchell, who's probably going to be a first-round pick, he's going to be there. Johnny Dixon from Penn State, Kalen King. We got a nice group of corners here that you know are usually at a big disadvantage in these one-on-ones, but they're going to give the wide receivers a run for their money. Yeah, this is a loaded group of corners and wide receivers. I mean, you could have seven to eight on both sides of the ball, top 100 picks. It just really is a good year for wide receivers as well. And like you're missing probably the top six or seven wide receivers in this class, and there's still that much talent going to be down there in Mobile. So it's, it's an impressive group. And that's what, like, you hit the nail on the head there. This is wide receiver CB is probably the most watched, the most, like, important of the one-on-ones down there because it, it kind of exposes all ills. You don't get to run the tree, the route tree you ran at your college, the routes you're running every single day in practice. You're maybe doing something that's outside your comfort zone uh, and you're having to go out against an NFL, a future NFL corner when doing so one-on-one in man coverage. And that's, you know, that's who gets drafted highly. It's the guys who can win those reps consistently. Um, and, and so I'm really looking forward to it. The one guy I really want to see in this wide receiver class though, is I want to see Lad McConkey. Obviously was banged up a good amount this last year, but he's such a polished route runner. I think he could have a real big week there down there at Senior Bowl. Yeah, I don't know how guys are going to stick with him on one-on-ones. With his yeah. speed, the way he comes in and out of breaks, he's just going to be a tough cover. Yeah, 100%. Him against, him against someone like Quinion Mitchell would be great. Because Quinion Mitchell didn't, at the Toledo corner, obviously one of the fewer, you know, there's just not a lot of non-Power 5 players down there anymore with the way NIL... Uh, transfer portal those guys just get kind of called up to the big leagues at some point throughout their college career nowadays um but he spent four years at toledo proved every single year and he's strong as heck but he didn't play press man he played all off all off coverage on tape exactly so he's not playing press man at toledo but that's what you do at the senior bowl because that's what people want to see you do in the nfl so uh, excited to see how he fares in that regard you love turf you're good at it so you start a turf biz business grows your savings grow Become the most celebrated name in turf. Are you ready for all that life brings? Yeah, I want to see Xavier Leggett because he's a guy, I watched him on tape, Mike, and obviously you see the raw physical skills, but I want to see how he comes in and out of breaks in those one-on-ones. Can he separate at the top of his routes running more than just go balls and stops and stuff like that? I want to see, you know, I want to get a preview of, of what that three cone might look like when we get to the NFL combine and whether or not he can separate with those raw, you know, size and speed metrics that I'm sure he's going to put up at the 40-yard dash. Yeah, I've called him, and I'll keep calling him, DK Metcalf Light, 6'3", 227. So he's in the neighborhood of DK. Now, DK is like in the 230s now. But I, I do wonder what it's going to look like in the one-on-ones because I think he hit the nail on the head in that he's not, he's not a full route tree guy. I mean, DK is not a full route tree guy either. But can he be dominant enough on the routes that, you can run at that size with that skill set, which would be, you know, slants, goes, posts, the vertical tree, that sort of thing. Can he be dominant enough at that? I mean, I don't think people thought DK would be able to be dominant enough at that. And that's why he falls to the back end of the second round. Um, but he's close, man. I mean, he's got that, he's got that level of juice. I think his GPS numbers was like some in the neighborhood of 22 miles per hour at top speed, which that'll get you there. So uh, <laughs> very excited to see how he fares now. In, what do you uh, think of the, the two ones doing that? I'm sorry, Mike. What, what do you what, what do you think of the two Penn State corners? Um, you know, Kalen King, I really liked him heading into the year. I loved his 2022 tape. I, I couldn't find the pass deflection in his 2023 tape. Like he just gave up catches all over the place. 
And I almost think Johnny Dixon was better than him this year, the other Penn State corner. So your thoughts on those two guys, and I think it's it's a huge – the fact that Kalen King's even here, I think, tells you that he understands he has something he needs yeah. to show these scouts to try to get back into that you know late first round, early second round conversation so he doesn't become almost a Keely Ringo of 2023. Yeah, you couldn't find a first round mock heading into the season that didn't have Kalen King. Right. He, he was, and he was that good. I watched his tape last year and I thought he was the better of the two Penn state corners. I agree. You know, Joey Porter jr. 32nd pick last year. And I like Kalen King's tape better. And so that's, you know, that talent didn't go away, but you're right. Johnny Dixon play, outplayed him this year. Like he, he was not good. He was, they had him follow Marvin Harrison jr. In that one game. And it was not a fair fight. I mean, Marvin Harrison jr. Was getting <laughs> open at will. So I don't know what happened on his tape um, because kind of the, you know, like a little over aggressive. I love the aggressiveness that he plays with, but he was just so up and down with that. And so not locked in consistently uh, and, and patient at the cornerback position that he does have to have a big week because he, he could fall to, you know, back into the third into the fourth round. If, if, I mean, if we see the same guy that, that we saw on tape throughout this week of practices, he won't be a day two pick. I, I don't think it's just, you can't, risk that even if the talent is what you saw uh you know back in 2022 want a chance to win ten thousand dollars for your small business enter to win a citizen small business community champion award by sharing how your company makes a positive impact on your community <laughs> enter at citizensbank.com forward slash business dash champion citizens the official bank of the new york giants mike let's go to a couple other position groups real quick running back and tight end anybody from those two groups in mobile kind of jump out of you a little bit no, it's not <laughs> yeah, a good class <laughs> <laughs> Um, I'll say, so tight end, I'll just throw out, Johnny Wilson is a wide receiver from Florida State. He's listed at wide receiver there at the Senior Bowl too. But he's six foot seven, 239 pounds. Uh, you may remember a receiver that big. I couldn't recall a receiver that big in the NFL. You know, Vincent Jackson was like in the neighborhood, but he was still only 6'4", six, 6'5". Six, he wasn't 6'7". It's a unique dude that is 10 pounds away from being a tight end, right? Like he's so close uh, that I think that's where he ends up. And so I'm intrigued to see if he takes reps there at all. Now, obviously, like you need to spend some time in the weight room before he gets there. But that's that's what Darren Waller was coming out of Georgia Tech, right? Was a just massive wide receiver that it just didn't make sense to keep him there at the NFL level. There's it's not a guy that's going to win consistently on the outside against NFL corners. He's too big of a a uh, too big of a frame to just corners get his hands on him. So uh, I'm intrigued to see what he does. If there is one tight end that I think could be like a starter in a couple years and we're like, Oh, where'd this guy come from? Uh, and it's like putting up, you know, actual receiving numbers. It's Tanner McLaughlin out of Arizona. He's a guy who's actual, he was a wide receiver at gosh, I'm going to, I think Southern Utah to start his career transfers to Arizona puts up some big numbers this past year, still on the skinnier side, 240 pounds, but he just moves and the fluidity and the hands are like what it looks like at the NFL and still needs to get bigger, still needs to get stronger, but he can be a starting type of wide receiver or excuse me, tight end, like receiving option at tight end. And then the one running back I'll highlight is Jalen Wright from Tennessee. feel pretty confident saying he's going to be the highest drafted running back that's in attendance there in mobile, just because he's, you know, 210 pounds, he might run a four, three, something like he is explosive as heck visions, a concern that Tennessee offense, they're running like two rushing concepts. He's not doing anything you're going to do in the NFL, 
that's why like the senior bowl is going to be a good litmus test for him. Cause you're going to get to see him actually running against heavy boxes. What does that look like? And now they don't tackle. You're not going to get to see that aspect of it, but just how does he look uh, compared to these other guys? I think he could end up being a day two pick truthfully. Yeah. Last year at the senior bowl, not Michael Wilson, the other big Stanford wide receiver. They ended up playing him at tight end over the course mm-hmm. of the week and his name escapes. And I don't remember who it was, but yeah, he, 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 he basically, he, and they turned him into an F move tight end. And he eventually yeah. got drafted that way in the pro. So I wonder if they are going to kind of use Johnny Wilson that way as well. Finally, linebacker, Mike. Uh, it's a position that I think it could be the scarcest position in the NFL now. Nobody has good linebackers. All offenses do is attack the middle of the field to put those linebackers into conflict with play action, RPOs, and all this stuff. And they just attack linebackers again and again. And the college game isn't producing a bunch of linebackers to fill those roles. So your thoughts of this year's crop in Mobile? Yeah, it's it's actually not bad. I, I this linebacker class, I think has talent. I don't think it has any guy that is going to go in the first round. I'd be very surprised if there is. But I think once you see day two, I think you'll see a lot of names come off the board. The one that I'm most excited to watch is Peyton Wilson, NC State. I am as top linebacker in this class. Now he may not get drafted there because he was torn his ACL twice. He's dislocated his shoulders twice. His injury history is bad. He's a six year guy because. And he kept coming back because he kept getting injured. And I kept, <laughs> he wanted to, he kept having like three straight prove it seasons where it's like, can you stay healthy and you'll be an NFL nope. prospect? And it's like, finally he did this year. <laughs> so awesome, awesome on tape. Six uh, four, two thirty nine, like has the frame to be a three down, do it all linebacker. Um, so I'm excited to see what he looks like there. Uh, and then the other guy that I really want to see is James Williams from Miami. He was a safety at Miami, but he's six foot five, 215 pounds. And the physicality is there to play linebacker. I just want to see what he looks like at linebacker because as a safety, he was not, he was not good enough in space, could not cover well enough to stick there. So officially listed as a linebacker at the senior bowl, just what's that going to look like for him? And you get the feeling his frame will allow him to get up to 230 if he wants. Yes. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. In an FO weight room. So I'm with you. I think that's one of the more fascinating watches out there. And I think it's a good way to transition out of the shrine game, Mike, because I think probably the best player at shrine might be Edrin Cooper, the linebacker who can do a little bit of everything. He can cover, he can blitz, he can play the run. I'm excited to see him down there. Oh, 100%. He's a guy who had a big breakout season. He's going to test extremely well. Like If there's any linebacker that could sneak in in the first round, he's the name I would suggest because the arrow's just pointing upwards with him. Now, still some like balance concerns, but he has that frame that everyone wants, that 6'3", long arms, high cut, that can just fly in a straight line when he wants to get up to full speed he can get uh he can get there in a hurry so he'll he should stick out like a sore thumb there in the shrine bowl against the competition he's going against how many other defensive players do you like down in shrine that fans should keep an eye on i really want to see leonard taylor the miami defensive tackle i think he could i think could be a top 50 pick probably should be a top 50 pick uh, he's a third-year player, only a junior, and obviously those games can you know take juniors now this year. Um, but he's a guy that lined up a lot at nose tackle, even though he's really more of a three technique. This guy's a pure penetrator, a guy that can live in the backfield if you just let him. Um, but he didn't kind of get that opportunity at Miami. So what's it going to look like, you know, at the Shrine Bowl when he kind of does get that opportunity in the one-on-ones where, and even in the week of practices, they don't really care if you just kind of try to go out and make plays. So I'm excited to see what he looks like when just kind of given that freedom. Yeah, I'm with you. Offensively, what do you think of the skill position group, running backs, tight ends, wide receiver, anyone jump out to you there? 
they actually have my favorite tight end of any of the either senior bowl or the shrine bowl down holker the colorado state tight end he actually led all of college football this past year oh, all tight ends excuse me in receptions in receiving yards is a guy who he took a mormon mission midway through his college career you know usually we hear about the guys doing it right at the start before they even started college but he was byu takes two-year mission goes to colorado state so he's a six-year guy on the older side but he's got awesome hands he's got route running ability he's got real speed um he's one of the guys that i think could be you know top 75 pick uh at tight end when there's just you know after brock bowers in this class there's just not a lot of talent at the position I like the offensive line group at the Shrine game too, Mike. We talked about how good it was at the Senior Bowl, and I think that's trickled down, and it's allowed to have some pretty good players on in the Shrine game too. I really like the kid at at a South Dakota State. Um, you have Mahogany out of Boston College. I think there's some pretty good offensive linemen here. I also throw in uh, Jalen Sundell from North Dakota State. Uh, they are obviously produce a ton of offensive line talent. Seemingly every single year, they have a guy getting drafted by the NFL on their offensive line but he's a guy who's kid he's a tackle at North Coast State probably gonna end up on the interior in the NFL but a super high-end athlete probably ends up at center in the NFL because of that and I think he could be a starter in time absolutely all right let's get to the quarterbacks here at Shrine and then we'll circle back into the quarterback discussion at large your thoughts of the guys at Shrine some names I remember last year we had Dorian Thompson Robinson and Ian O'Connell uh go two years ago you had Brock Purdy you know, these quarterbacks have a chance to do something, and if they show enough, they'll have a chance in the pros. Yeah, this isn't a great quarterback class, though, at the show. I don't, I don't, now obviously I would have said that when Brock Purdy was coming out, too, but uh, I think the senior bowls got them is where the quarterback sort of debate's going to happen. I think Penix, Knicks, or Michael Penix Jr. from Washington, Bo Nix from Oregon, and then uh, Michael Pratt from Tulane. Those guys could be, you know, first, second third rounders all three of them i think should be in that mix then at the shrine i mean the one name that's somewhat interesting to me is john reese Plumley from ucf but not to stay at quarterback it's just that he was a super awesome athlete between his time at ole miss and ucf and i think you know if you watch him throw you realize he's not going to be a quarterback in the nfl but could he switch positions and play something else because he was a guy that was always dynamic with the ball in his hands i wonder if he kind of does that there at the Shrine Bowl and moves around a little bit. Yeah, Austin Reed had a lot of production in college, but, you know, this is the the traits aren't great. And then Devin Leary has the traits, but he just doesn't have the consistent production, yeah, right? inaccurate, yeah. Absolutely, I'm with you. All right, so let's get into the quarterback thing here, and let's and let's go now to back to the Senior Bowl, and then we'll transition to the larger conversation. How big of a battle is this for quarterback four between Bo Nix and Michael Penix? Or, do you, or is J.J. McCarthy still quarterback number four for you? How important is, is this week going to be for those two guys to try to establish themselves, not only as quarterback four, but also as back-end first-round picks? Well, I actually have Bo Nix as quarterback three. I'm a big fan of his. So Ooh, I, I've already I like planted it. my flag that he's awesome. Now, he could drop to four uh, with this performance this week. It's going to be huge for him because the offense that he played at Oregon was not, you know, what he's, what you'd hopefully want him to play in the NFL. I think instead as a fifth of his passes were screens. And you just getting the ball out so quick, right? Yeah. And that's just like the offense was that. And so, you know, you can call him a check down artist if you want. That was just what he was asked to do in that offense. So what does it look like when he's asked to do actually what he's going to do in the NFL? Because he has the tools that. to do more. Yeah. He has the tools. Because that's why I'm, I, he has, a, you know, we're talking about him versus Jane Daniels. He has a stronger arm 
throws better on the move, uh, probably has a better frame when you're talking about, you know, injury and preventing against that. Whereas Daniels is a skinnier. So in that conversation there, those guys are tight for me already, but it just is can Bo Nix, you know, operate a downfield passing offense in the NFL. Can he get past his first read without, you know, wanting to break the pocket, which is kind of like, he's good at it. He's very high end athlete. He can do it very well, but that was kind of his MO at Oregon. So, um, I do think though there those I think he's clearly in this senior bowl. He's clear he's kind of cleared a big gap between him and Michael Penix Jr. for that spot if someone's going to, just because Penix little inaccurate. The injury history is a big concern there with him. The funky throwing motion, maybe not necessarily a concern, but it I do think leads to some inaccuracies with him on tape. And it's not it's such a unique motion that there's no like minor tweaks that you're doing to it to make him more accurate. Right. It's just kind of, you're going to have to live with that uh, is who he is. So I, I think there is a gap for him, but I think Penix, if he does have a big week can play his way into the first round just because he's that talented and there's so much to like about his game still, like he doesn't take sacks, doesn't take negative plays is going to give his guys chances to make plays. Uh, there's a path to him being a franchise type of quarterback, but I do think it's not, if he does go in the first round, it's probably in the back end in the 20s somewhere. And, and you know, based on his personality, his attitude, Spencer Rattler's going into this game saying, I'm going to play better than all these guys. And he, <laughs> that, that dude's going to let it fly in this game, man. I, I, he needs a, he's, he's so talented, right? Like he, he was supposed to be Lincoln Riley, the next in line. He had three straight Heisman guys, three straight guys who are starting the NFL. Rattler comes in big red shirt freshman year. And then just the wheels fell off. He, he got too high in his own supply. Um, and that's kind of been his MO is that he's just not the development between the ears never really happened. And now I think the best thing for him is that he's going to have to get humbled in, throughout this process. He's not going to be a first or second round pick anymore. He's not going to go to a spot where he's gifted a starting job. He's going to have to sit and learn on the bench, but I take that chance to be sitting there in the fourth round, right? Like he's so gifted physically uh, has such a, and we're not like talking about the accuracy being an issue. We're not talking about the arm being an issue. We're just talking about like decision-making. Like, can you improve that? It's hard, hard to say, but uh, I, I do think that if he goes down there and has a big week, like he could sneak into even maybe a top hundred selection just because of how, you know, what the payoff could be for a guy like that. And you know what coaches are like, one of these quarterback guys will say, Oh, just let me get my hands on him to his GM and, I'll I'll fix all the issues and just just see what he can do when I when I have my hands on him for a few weeks. Trust me, that will happen. You're 100 right. You're ready for a change. Payday comes early with citizens, so go to that retreat. New you moves to the country. Now you're raising goats and launching a lifestyle brand. Are you ready for all that life brings? Want a chance to win $10,000 for your small business? Enter to win a Citizen Small Business Community Champion Award by sharing how your company makes a positive impact on your community. Enter at citizensbank.com forward slash business dash champion. Citizens, the official bank of the New York Giants. How close, Mike, for you is Drake May to Caleb Williams? Um, do you? I know some people still have May ahead of Williams. I don't. I have a decent amount of space between those two guys. And for me, May is closer to quarterback three then he is the quarterback one, at least for me. It's really eye of the beholder. What do you want to do offensively? In my opinion, it's, do you want to subject your quarterback to hits in the running game? Some of us, just don't, they, they don't want to do that for 
you know, whatever reason, I think it's one of the most valuable things you can do with quarterback position today's NFL. And so like, I, th- I think it's something that if you're not doing, you're missing out. Missing hey, if you watch the bills and the Ravens in the playoffs last week, tell me about how valuable running quarterbacks are. Those guys carry yeah. those two teams with their legs. Yeah. So it's, it's, it helps you, you want you use that, right? Like, so um, if you're going to really tap into that with Caleb Williams, you're taking Caleb Williams. Like he, he's got unbelievable, probably the single best combination I've ever seen in terms of arm talent, accuracy, and mobility. There's just, there's no one in the ballpark of him. And it's like, no one if, talks about his accuracy enough. I'm happy you brought that up. He's the most yeah. accurate quarterback in the class. Yeah. On the I move, mean, it's like, he puts the ball whenever he wants. It's ridiculous. Yes. It's like if Josh Allen could, you know, came out of Wyoming and was the accuracy he is now, that's like the kind of guy we're talking about. With him. And now he doesn't have Josh Allen's frame, but that's the level of tools. His arm is unbelievable. I mean, he put one on tape this year. Uh, gosh, who was it against that went about 68 yards through the air. That was just, I mean, he has a cannon for an arm. So there's concerns on tape. Sure. A lot of it this year, I think it was overblown because it was the USC offense was a joke in terms of how they schemed up things. Like it would be one, one, one option in passing concepts. And then it's like, Hey, Caleb, you're on your own. Yeah. And so uh, it looks bad because he's there panic in the pocket, but that was the design. The design was if it doesn't work out this one, you are on your own and you have to panic in the pocket and find a way out. So yeah, I, I just think that the floor for him is so high because of that. If, even if it is just, him creating out of structure consistently, he's going to do it. He's, he's that good at it. So, um, and, and then Drake, may I, I just think he's probably safer as a pure pocket passer. Again, if you're not going to use the rush quarterback as a running threat in your offense, he can be a plus scrambler on his own in his own right. And then just you feel really good about his projection in the NFL because he does NFL things every single week at a really high level. And, and now there's you know some negatives to point to. In terms of you know pocket moving into sacks, uh, putting the ball in harm's way, probably a little bit more than you'd like to see from a top prospect. But the tools are you know, the tools are high enough that he could be the best quarterback in the NFL someday too. Like he has a big arm, he moves really really well. He's such a natural thrower of the football that it just comes out easy. The game just looks easy for him when he plays. So I've just been saying I don't think he'd go wrong but just draft the guy that fits what you want to do offensively. Yeah, the one thing about Drake May that sticks out to me too is that because of the weapons or lack thereof he had in North Carolina, Mike, he had to make throws into the middle of the field, which is what you have to do in the NFL, right? In traffic, into small areas where if you watch Jaden Daniels tape, and again, I'm a Jaden Daniels fan. I think he should be a top 10 pick. This is not me taking a shot at Jaden Daniels. He did not have to throw high traffic balls in the middle of the field. Yeah. You you know, you can count on two hands how many, you know, between the hash marks and traffic throws he had to make all year, but he didn't have to. It's not his fault. But Drake May is making those types of NFL throws every week. You go to his Georgia Tech tape, my gosh, he makes these four or five throws into the middle of the field where you're like, wow, that's exactly what he's going to have to do against high-level NFL defenses. Yeah, he was playing the game just in much harder mode than Jay Daniels was. Like, that's for sure. But not to take, not to take anything away from Jay Daniels, but if, if – if Jane Daniels didn't have the rushing threat that he did, if he wasn't like a you know low four fours guy and wasn't that dynamic and was just a guy that had to win, you know, could scramble maybe a little, but had to win from the pocket. I don't think he'd be a first rounder necessarily just based off of what he put on tape as a passer because of what you said there. 
but that rushing threat just really pushes anyone over the top because it, it gives you easier throws. It's just a fact of life. It, it, when you have to respect that linebackers have to play differently. They have to rush the passer differently. It's just, it just is what it is. So, uh, but yeah, Drake made as a passer, he's, he's the best passer in this draft class. Right now. Absolutely. All right. Now let's get into giants territory here, Mike. And I think when you look at the top of the wide receiver class, I'm assuming you have Marv Haverson st- standing alone as number one. Yes. Okay. How do you then parse number two here? Uh, neighbors, Dunzier are the two guys for me. I like neighbors a little bit better just because of his explosiveness. Um, I do think he's some, he gets open, but his route running, I think is a little bit sloppy. It's not as precise as you want it to be, but boy, he has the separation skills and change in direction to, to clean that up real fast. But I like neighbors a little bit more than a Dunzier. How do you kind of track out that number two wide receiver spot? Or do you have a guy like Keon Coleman even in that mix? Yeah, I think it's pretty clearly in my opinion, neighbors is number two. And I, and I, I would just, just because of what the high end for him looks like in that to me, he reminds me of just athletically how he moves. He, he moves like Jalen Waddle and he's 20 pounds heavier and he's two inches taller. <laughs> you know, like that's just like the <laughs> caliber of athlete we're talking about yeah. is that no one's can stick with that guy. You know, one-on-one, no one's being going to be able to. So while, you know, Dunze may fit more your prototypical number one X wide receiver with the size, how he can play on the outside. I don't think it matters because neighbors just has gear and you know, it's like, it's like comparing Tyree kill to, to like a Calvin Johnson. Yeah. Obviously you'd go more of the Calvin Johnson prototype, but Tyree kill every single, like every single offense he's gone to has been elite offense because he's such a game changer. That's how I see neighbors is that maybe you're not running him on the outside every single time. Maybe that he's not that type of guy but he's such a game changer that if you're moving him around, throwing him screens, giving him handoffs, that sort of thing, defense is just going to have their head spinning. So yeah, neighbors is pretty clearly number two. I know people who even have him number one at wide receiver that I respect their opinions on just because of that. Like he's just unbelievable that uh, what he can do physically, but Adunze is also a top 10 pick. You know, he, he's also a guy who's top 10 pick. That's how just good this wide receiver class is. What do you like about Adunze's game the most? I think it's his ball skills and now, you know, ball skills kind of catch off for a lot of different things about receiver position, but it's the way he can track the ball in the air uh, while like understanding where the DB is too. So like when you throw him jump balls or just like balls where maybe he's not necessarily open down the football field, he's getting to the football every single time. You don't have to worry about him getting, you know, out muscle at the catch point. You don't have to worry about anything. Like he, he just, gets there and now you know as a pure athlete he's below marvin harrison jr and neighbors but he's damn good you he know he's probably, like, he's like, high he, end he does athlete. separate he's not just a contested yeah. catch guy exactly like he can win on his own consistently um so there's really just when you say what's there to like but there's just not much to dislike is the i think the bigger thing with it is it's like point to me something that he doesn't do well there's really nothing and that's why he separates from Keon Coleman a little bit to me. I have yes. a lot more confidence in a Dunzier to separate than Coleman. And you, know, you talked about, I think, being a good downfield target, Mike, and I've learned this as I've done this more and more, is the combination of ball tracking and body control, right? It's locating the ball and then being able to make simple movements without losing your balance and falling down to get to the ball and make the catch. Keon Coleman does that really well, too. But he just doesn't, I don't think when we get to the combine, he's not going to have the athletic profile that Adunzie has. 100%. It's like, you know, both big body wide receivers, but I'd put 
you know, if we're just doing kind of come somewhat NFL comps, Dunze is more like a Devonte Adams, whereas uh, Coleman's more like a Drake London, or That's like not a T. A Higgins not, type, right? Something yeah. like that. No. They're they're good wide receivers. Um, one's just you'd rather have, you know one you can really r- run your entire offense through. The other one's just you know probably just you're you're happy with it, but you're not uh, the high end probably ne- isn't necessarily there. And, and I've comped. I think a role like what Michael Thomas ran in New Orleans is That's your best one. Keon Coleman role is that he can win those you know, underneath third down, run them on a slant every single time. I would, you know, it, you can put that in the bank with him. He's that good. His ball skills, he doesn't drop balls. Uh, anything outside his frame is still going to haul in, but it's just, you know, is he going to bring those explosive plays to the table? Probably not nearly as much as Romo doesn't say well. Who is your favorite receiver outside of that top three? Not even maybe highest on your ranking, but guy that you just kind of like to watch the most and, and you think is going to have a real nice pro career. I really like Adnai Mitchell in terms of guys who I think can hit a high-end uh, ceiling and what they bring to the table. 6'4", the Texas wide receiver, 6'4", 196. And just, he has some reps that's just like, man, that, that's special. Like he runs his... like a six-foot, 185 guy, which is yes, crazy. Yeah. It just like the bounce he has out of his cuts. It's like, oh, where, where did that come from? He looks like he should be, you know, he looks like an NBA, like high-end college basketball sort of athlete and how he uh, maneuvers and it's the body control. Um, he just needs to get better as a route runner. It's not like, and it's not like a Quentin Johnson needs to get better as a route runner. It's more just like he's sloppy. He just, yeah. just lazy. He can't do it. He just doesn't do it every single time. Um, it probably needs to get a little bit stronger. You know, six foot four, 196 is pretty slim. Um, so there's like things to improve on that if he does that just the talent there is top 10 sort of talent. It's just, if he, it's almost like Roma Dunze last year, Roma Dunze last year was kind of in the same boat that Adonai Mitchell was where it's like fringe first rounder. Roma Dunze comes back. He's top 10 pick. Adonai Mitchell came back, cleaned up those things, got more consistent. I think he could have been a top 10 pick, but uh, probably ends up somewhere in the 20 to 50 range now at this point. I'm a big Tony Franklin guy too. At his yeah. size and his speed down the field, and I think he changes direction really well too. He's not this real leggy guy that that isn't going to be able to come in and out of breaks. Once he, I think, becomes more of a technician in his route running, Mike, he's another guy that I think in any other draft year would probably be an end of first round pick. Maybe he'll sneak in this year too if the Chiefs like him in that kind of Tyree Kill role. I, I don't know, but that that's a guy to me too that just has really high end traits that could become really special if he finds his way to the right spot. Yeah, and he's another guy who you almost wish would have came back years he's so skinny right now, you know, he's yeah, like 180 he's something pounds. And so like he comes back here gets stronger just like what's he going to look like if he can get up to 200 pounds because he's so and like at that size he can still um you know break tackles he's still shifty enough that for a taller wide receiver unique combination it's just when he loses it's because he can get bodied by corners and that's you know always worrisome because in the nfl they get stronger they're faster they're bigger they body you more and so uh that's the only worry with him but as far as like deep threats in this class go him brian thomas jr from lsu those guys are gonna those are those are number two pieces that you're gonna love in your offense because of how uh, much that speed has to be respected and then different body type is Xavier Worthy's in that group too, obviously, with yeah. his ability to get down the field. All right, final final topic here, Mike, before we say goodbye. We appreciate all the time. Offensive line, top of the class, and we'll have a chance to talk more to you at the Combine about some of these guys. Joel and Fashanu. Now, 
I, I watched Fashinu's first few games this year. I watched all his tape last year. I've not done like this last couple months of the year yet. I know a lot of people have said that his play deteriorated a little bit. He was on the ground too much. I have trouble moving him out of my number one offensive tackle spot just because of the way he moves and his pass protection ability. But I know some people have kind of leapfrogged Joe Alt above him. And I love Joe Alt. I know you do too. You're, uh, you're a Notre Dame guy. He was fantastic this year. So how do you kind of sort out those top two offensive tackles? And how do you compare them to prior classes as well? To me, they're, you know, they're right up there neck and neck with, what is it, uh, 2021 when you had Penny Sewell, Rayshon Slater. To me, it's like that. It's like, you're not going to go wrong. They're, they're both good. Um, do you want a guy who I, I think is probably a little more consistent, Joe Wall, and just you, you know what you're getting, more of a safe pick, and that I don't think there's just any, many weaknesses. So just when you don't lose as much as he didn't lose in college as a true junior, it's hard to see him losing in the NFL. Or Shana lost a little more, but it's just so special from a coordination, foot quicks, you know, body type. Like it's all, he's all lower half. He can anchor really well when he wants to. So there's just, it's, it's kind of, it's what I was talking about with Drake May and Caleb Williams. It's like, what do you want? What do you prioritize more? Um, I have all as OT1 just because of that aspect. And I, I don't think you necessarily, you know, highest end traits at the office acquisition doesn't necessarily trade to highest end performance all the time. I think he could very well be like a Andrew Whitworth type of office tackle where it's, you know, it doesn't maybe look the most impressive, but he gets the job done every single time. Uh, so I, that's, that's what I see Joe Alt being. And when that's the case, you, you just, you, when you're, when a guy could reach the highest of highs and has a high floor, I, to me, you just take the, take the easy W if you're drafting in the top 10, because there's not a lot of easy W's out there in the draft. That's another episode of the John Soto Podcast brought to you by Citizens, the official bank of the Giants. Mike, this was fun, man. Look forward to seeing you down in Mobile and at the Combine. We'll talk again soon. For sure, John. Thanks for having me on, buddy. Mike Reiner, check out his stuff at The Messenger. For Mike Reiner, I'm John Schmelk. We'll see you next time on the John Soto Podcast. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Zero Foxtrot isn't just a brand, it's a way of life. Founded and operated by veterans, Zero Foxtrot's unique apparel and gear echoes the grit of the warrior culture. Zero Foxtrot dedicates itself to producing content, honoring the sacrifices of forgotten heroes of the past, and connecting history to the present. Embark on a journey with Zero Foxtrot today at ZeroFoxtrot.com. It's not merely our products, it's about the ethos that we embody. Rugged, resilient, and timeless.